0: Hey, piddle, 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 hey, piddle, piddle, yo ho ho, ho ho, Christmas 250 podcast.
1: Hey, piddle, 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 yo. Helen, welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast of the INDB's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. I'm Kieran. I'm Helen. I'm Jerry. And this week we have a very special festive episode for you, where we're going to talk about perhaps the greatest single Christmas movie ever made. Yes, we're going to talk about Die Hard, and we thought that since it was Christmas time and it was a time for coming together, that we'd maybe have a little bit of a family reunion on the show and invite my folks and my brother onto the show to talk a little bit about Die Hard, because it's a movie that we watch every Christmas, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) This is a great
0: idea. (laughs) I I, I feel like I've been adopted.
2: Literally
1: Literally, we, should have done, sligo family <laughs> we should have done more prep before we went into this bit here but no it is because uh we talked a little bit i thought actually talked a great deal about this in the podcast where like my, i reckon part of my love of movies comes from the fact that when i was little we would always sit around and we'd watch movies together and like it would be a thing when we were in sligo that dad would come back and he'd have two movies each weekend we watch one friday night one sunday night
0: that's because it was too expensive to go to the cinema with the whole lot of us let's be honest <laughs> But still, a great thing, though, and I mean, it's still like. <laughs> know. Yeah, cinema was generally kind of like a rare thing, and and you, you just like had a membership of Video City or. Um, Extravision back Extravision, in the day, yeah. sadly,
1: which are now gone. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah think it was Video a big
0: City's thing. still kicking about, and uh, Extravision and HMV um, became like a um, like one of the few Extravisions that was left, but it was a co- co-location with HMV. Now I have to go back and see if that's still the case. But it was around for a surprisingly long time. Because when do you ever see an extra vision? Um, Not very often. Are they they completely gone?
2: I I think so. We used to go to it down here in Drogheda. But that oh, sort of
0: stopped
3: a few years ago.
0: I think, I think, and and I think the the ones in Sligo for some reason are still
3: kicking
1: about. Really? Nobody's told them. No, no. Nobody's oh, okay. sort of told them. It's because there's
3: nothing else to do in Sligo. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> true we just waiting I for back the yeah. movies. That's all.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. But anyway, so like that was part of my experience growing up was watching movies with you guys, and I think that's part of why I end up such a, a movie-centric person. And we had a tradition where every year, like Cockwood, we would watch a Die Hard film. Generally, the first Die Hard.
2: I think it's the better of them you I think don't know why okay. I just really like it
1: well, I mean we all really really like it I mean it's, it's a fantastic film I mean when did you guys first of all did you guys watch it like before I started watching it with you because it's from 1988 right which I would have been at that stage year one year old <laughs> so was I always watching Die Hard with you or was it <laughs> something that you sort of like felt that now he's ready for it
2: I reckon we would have watched it when it was first released as a movie anyway because I like Bruce Willis
1: Hi. Right. What have you seen in the cinema, or would you seen on on VHS, or um?
2: I would say we would have got the DVD, the VHS, or whatever
1: out of the out of the. Out of the... Yeah. yeah. And and do you remember how it became like a Christmas tradition for us when we sort of how we because I, I can't remember a time when we didn't watch Die Hard at Christmas. I Actually no clue. have no clue. All yeah. right, just so it's just always became been there. one of those things. Yeah? yeah, it's just always been there. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome, though. I mean. Because I do, it's one of those things I associate with Christmas. Not Christmas until you watch Die Hard, I think. So it's that's true. Yeah, it is. It's kind of, and despite how many times we've seen the film, it's <laughs> always, it is always uh, yeah, Christmas.
2: It, it is. Have, it's like the, the signalling of Christmas. Christmas has come when we do get to sit down and watch it.
1: That's it, absolutely.
0: I don't know what we were doing last year with It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> I've never
1: seen that. Mom, yeah, Denise keeps recommending, my auntie Denise keeps recommending that mum watch It's a Wonderful Life. I must watch it. See, well,
2: I mean, she's not the... Lots of people say it is the Christmas film.
4: Hmm.
1: I mean, you, you've you also got to watch Elf, I think. Uh, sorry. Oh, no. um Denise has got to watch it. you recommended Elf in sort of like a Christmas movie. Maybe we should do um, a trade-off on (laughs) it.
2: I'll watch that if you watch this. Yeah,
1: that sort of thing. But I mean, so here's a question, and this is always, because we're going to have to answer this outright, right? It's a Mm. Christmas special. We're doing Die Hard. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie?
5: Yes, it's another uh, Christmas movie. Okay. Absolutely. a lot of adventure in it. Uh, It's a good crack in It has a happy ending, and there's a lot of flashing lights. What more could you look for <laughs> in Christmas
2: well, home for the Christmas holiday, so yeah, it's a Christmas movie. It is. A, interestingly enough, it was
1: released in July in 1988, actually. It was released in the middle That's of summer, weird. Yeah, which is very strange. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, if you look at it at lot of the early reviews, they barely mention the fact it takes place at Christmas. Um, and there's actually some debate about whether or not it is or isn't a Christmas movie. The U.S. Census, for example, did a study, because the U.S. Census has nothing better to be doing at the moment, and determined that more than half Americans don't think this is a Christmas movie whereas Empire Magazine it's more than half actually 52%, well, voted for Hillary uh, Clinton <laughs> is that what to say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's okay because Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada agrees it is but Empire fine. held a poll this year to determine what the most Christmassy movie was It's a Wonderful Life came second and Die Hard came first Wow. Really? Yeah. I'm impressed. It well, is.
0: It does have that uh, Christmas hip
1: hop song. In it. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Christmas in Hollis by uh, was it Run DMC? I'm not sure.
0: It was. It, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was difficult to to to, to take in all of the Christmas references. But they were there. It was less of 24th of December.
1: Santa
2: uh, Claus. Claus. What is the most un-Christmassy music you've ever come across? (laughs) Come
1: on. But I think that's kind of, it fits with the movie though, because the movie on its surface doesn't look very Christmassy. There's lots of gunfire in it. There's, you know, lots of shooting, lots of violence. There's terrorists, you know, it's it's not a quiet night before Christmas, but it kind of is.
2: It was meant to be though.
3: But what makes a Christmas song? Just because it's, it doesn't have the right rhythm and the right music and the right person yeah, singing much. it, But the lyrics are <laughs> entirely Christmas.
2: <laughs> that's irrelevant. I don't listen to the lyrics. I just listen to the music. Kira,
0: like, Kira wasn't making this argument while watching. The movie. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, well, that's because I couldn't
3: understand <laughs> what he was saying. <laughs>
0: but
1: because but, we did, we had this discussion when we, when we decorate around our house. We typically select a bunch of Christmas songs. I actually put on that exact Christmas song got told to turn it off because it wasn't Christmassy Proper enough.
0: Proper order.
2: Oh. I wasn't yeah. the only one.
0: Okay, just... Like, like John McClane, <laughs> um, who, who, who who told our guy to turn it off. Yeah. We're, we're not revealing too much. About this is movie. not a movie about a limo ride <laughs> yeah, <to laughs> make the clear. music they play. It would be a completely different movie. It would
1: be, yeah. But I mean, so guys, is this one of your favourite movies of all time? Would you say, like, if you were to make a list of your favourite movies, would this rank on it?
5: Yeah, it would, because, yeah, we watch it, and we like it, and there's an awful lot of, I suppose, little sketches in it, and it keeps you occupied, and every time you watch it, you see something a little bit different. Like, for example, tonight now I realise there's at least two Christmas trees in it. Up to now, I... <laughs> up to now, I thought there was just flashing lights. <laughs> Master of observation. Well, yeah,
1: like, you joke about that, but that's actually something i found a great deal when you rewatch it. It's a movie that rewards rewatching. So, for example... There's a sequence in the middle of the film, without getting too spoilery, where two characters, two side characters who aren't really major characters, have placed a bet on the outcome of a particular like interrogation or negotiation. And I hadn't twigged that before until watching it this time because you can see one of them go. Uh, this is when he's in, when he's interrogated. Yeah, no, I
2: know. I got before that. So I, mean, they had I don't a bet. get a whole lot. Yeah, oh, that okay. they were betting on the outcome of this conversation.
1: Okay, all right. But Darren's obviously not as astute a, a movie observer as he thought he was. <laughs> I don't yeah. think those twinkies are all for uh, for Officer Powell's wife either. But uh, I
2: disagree. <laughs> you disagree? Yeah, I know if you have a bump you get cravings for things so he was bringing her home obviously hurt. Do you think she got all 12 well, Twinkies? She,
3: she didn't this time because he was <laughs> a little <listener> bit preoccupied.
2: <laughs> yeah, he I
3: was do told... think that
1: was his intention. Although to
3: be fair Twinkies are supposed to survive nuclear holocaust right? so yeah. I think they can survive diehard. But, but
1: they, did, they didn't survive what was it three years up the top of the construction building. That,
3: yeah, but I think that was just his distaste for them. Have <laughs> not... you ever tried a Twinkie? <laughs> no. They're
1: disgusting.
3: I've, I've
4: never. Yes. They're, they're well, not... What are like, they? Yellow
3: dye 60. <laughs> <laughs> yellow
0: dye number five. Maybe. Number five. What is yeah. a Twinkie like? Actually, I do Hydrogenated. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: we, we literally just watched it. <laughs> we, we got no, all of the
3: ingredients. I know all it. the ingredients, but what does it? What does it?
1: Ta- what is it? What, like
3: you've like, never seen one.
1: I know it's a roll. They're
3: like these small kind of doughy fingers that you can. I mean, they're just you that you can eat. eat you can roll on the floor. <laughs> you can do anything with them because they're so versatile. Are they like donuts? No. Well, they're like. I really don't know how to describe them. They're like small dough sponges, you know, like a sponge that you eat, um, just that you get on like Mister Kipling yeah. boxes and stuff like but that. Except the they're milk. way no, they're just entirely doughy okay, goodness. So
1: that, <laughs> goodness, that goodness in inverted commas. Is the consistency uh,
2: it, that of a donut? No. Yeah, yeah. And what you
5: mean by a star or something? Well, a roll. It's, a roll. it's, a like, it's like a finger roll. Yes, yeah. yeah. Why do you call it Twinkies then? <laughs> Why I know. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because they make your eyes twinkle.
1: Why is a Romantica called a Romantica? Like, Again, uh, no difference. Yeah, these are great mis- People are paid to come up with these names. And obviously it works because they've been in business for God knows how long. True. But uh, no, in terms of diehard things. People so.
0: who came up with Raisin Bratton. <laughs>
3: um, <we're
1: geniuses>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah, had to do with the fact that
3: there was yeah. Yeah. with raisins. I think it. that's what he's getting at, yeah. yes. <laughs> it's like we spent
1: two years coming up with this name, and this was the best that we could do. Mm. But in terms of so, in terms of Die Hard, right? So we sort of we agreed it's a Christmas movie. We are agreed it's one of the better movies of all time. Like, mom, would it be on your sort of list of great movies? Like if you were making a list of the best movies you'd ever seen, would this be on there? Is it just a seasonal treat?
2: For me it's the seasonal thing.
1: Okay. You wouldn't very, watch it otherwise. But.
2: Okay, well, if it was on the telly I would never turn it off right. if I walked in. Do I go looking for it during the year? No. But somehow it is very much associated with Christmas first. I don't mm. I honestly don't know why. Is is it oh, weird that it's,
0: uh, that it's that it's an LA Christmas? Because it, it never really feels like Christmas in in L hey, a, a, a. Hey, hey, Thursday. The, like like Ellis
1: has got snow going up his nose. <laughs> That's I mean, right. Yeah. There's a Christmas tree. There's a string quartet performing "Ode to Joy," which, by the way, is a Christmas song in Japan, I believe. Oh yeah it's it, very it, it, Christmas well, related. The yeah, Christmas, Japanese,
3: yeah, the
2: man yeah, is Japanese, the firm is Japanese. The
1: firm is Japanese, apparently it is, yeah. There's really?
3: also jingle bells in the background towards one of the, not the actual song, but there's jingles of bells in the background towards the end of the, one of the end scenes that we will not talk about that will ruin the end of this movie. Yeah. Um but one of the points which Darren pointed out that he has a halo behind him.
1: Oh there's several points <laughs> for characters of characters halos. So we'll probably talk a bit more about like the symbolism like the the sort of it, it being a very Christmassy movie in terms of how it's constructed sort of in in a bit later on. But,
3: I mean, Kieran, then, what about yourself? Um, to be honest, I don't really know. If, if it was missing from my life, I'd be quite disappointed. Because I think, as Mum said, it's just quite a seasonal movie, and it has such an impact on my childhood, because we grew up watching it every year. Yeah. Um, and I even... We rented out a giant theatre, like a thousand-person theatre, when I was in uni a thousand people that, that many people don't go to dcu but you know what i mean yeah um and we went out and watched it as a class and drank beer while we were watching it before we went out and we made it a christmas thing so i think it, it was a christmas thing for every single person yeah. in uh, in our uni but so we yeah spread the joy yeah.
1: but it's, it's interesting because there it is that u.s census survey that I, I mentioned there seemed to suggest it was a generational thing so like if you're over the age of 49 apparently you don't think die art's christmas movie so mom and dad you're very cool um, if you're under the age of 24 you don't think Die Hard's a Christmas thing and apparently there was this big discussion online that happened about two year, two or three years ago uh, or about 10 years ago when like Facebook and Twitter first came up when people like us were went online and were like Christmas time time to watch Die Hard and apparently a huge portion of the world went Wait, what yeah what, what are you guys doing how is that a Christmas movie? It's just an action movie that takes place at Christmas. Like, say, Iron Man 3 or Lethal Weapon or The Long Kiss Goodnight or any Shane Black film.
3: So, the
2: question they is... don't is, really fit into Christmas movies. Well, they take place at Christmas. Yeah,
1: I... Even though they're released in the middle of the year. Like, Iron Man 3 was released in May and made a billion dollars. I worldwide. do not
3: see that as a Christmas movie in the slightest.
1: You could argue. It's got a redemption arc and it's a very Christmas. I'd
2: probably old. have to watch it a few times again and see if I could get the Christmas bit mm. out of it. <laughs>
1: It, sort of it does, I think, have Chris. It has that jingle bell song that I also tried to play at the during the. It
0: was probably down. It doesn't have any of the Chrises in it. No. <laughs> no. no so there is no Chris yeah. There isn't Chris Evans. There's no Chris. There's Prash. no mass of Chris's. Yeah. Right? The, yeah.
1: Yeah. There's no Christmas, if you will. Mm. What What
3: makes it Christmas? So I was wondering the reason when I grew up and I thought it was a Christmas movie is because it's always on at Christmas, so it just becomes a cultural thing. But did it? Was it Did the TV uh, broadcast um, companies start to put it on at Christmas and then therefore it became one? Or did they just follow the trend?
1: No, it, it's, it's kind of interesting in that apparently in the States it's, very, it's like The Wizard of Oz, where The Wizard of Oz is a film that is associated with Christmas. Even though it only aired, I think, twice in December between 1972 and 2004. To give you an example but it's somehow associated with Christmas I think because I people sit had down I the and watch impression this. that was on every year at Christmas yeah maybe it was over here I don't here. know why well maybe it was over here but in it the States seems like something we would have watched I think it's something you would have gotten the VHS it's out really? and sort of watched um, the whole family Charlie, Charlie and the
0: so. Chocolate Factory is that a uh, uh, often on at christmas i, I don't know yeah it the is often one? on at christmas i know like
1: raiders of the lost ark is always on RTE, for example so i think of that as a christmas movie even though it's, it's not, a not related it's got nothing to do but with then
3: it. again would um would they have put on just a lot of family movies on at christmas because they know people are going to watch nothing. family movies and yes. then therefore they become all of a sudden because this entire in this movie is about family
2: son you're I <laughs> have to say thanks mum
3: welcome son. they gave me a PhD for a reason didn't they <laughs> definitely
5: but, yes, but, but Christmas is an integral part of the story isn't it? because that's it why is... they're all in the building Yeah, and that's why they're all celebrating and
1: that's why he travels halfway across the country to reunite with his wife which again we're not and getting too Yeah, and his kids and he brings a giant about... teddy bear
3: is that about Christmas, though, or does he just want to be with his wife? Well,
1: here's a question: oh, it's Is Christmas? Is Christmas? He you... hasn't been in the six months that
2: she's been there, so he's made an effort because it's Christmas time and his kids are there. So where would you want to be? But at maybe, Christmas? That,
3: maybe that's his first holiday that he's had. What happened if you had a yeah. holiday over Easter? Then it'll okay. be an Easter movie. Well,
1: this but this a... wouldn't be all in the building. They've all I mean, gone home for Easter. Myself and Andrew have strong opinions about what an Easter movie is. We both think it's RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> RoboCop is like the perfect Easter action movie because it involves a hero who dies and is resurrected. It sure, comes back yeah, to the redeem us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it must be
2: a generation there, thing. There, yeah. there,
0: there, there's a lot of RoboCop in this. We'll try and get it out of the way early. There's the <laughs> Japanese corporation from RoboCop Three. There's a character falling then um, we we won't say who, but but <laughs> it's 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 done quite well as as opposed to in in, in RoboCop. But people our, are probably wondering wh- why all this reference to RoboCop. Yeah, no reason. <laughs> Just because. <like laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: But uh, so in terms of like, it, I think Kieran's actually onto something there though when he says like it's a family movie more than a Christmas movie. But maybe that's tangentially why it is a Christmas movie. And I've read arguments that. One of the things about Die Hard is that it's not a Christmas movie in the way that say Elf or Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is, for example. But it is because it gets the sense that like Christmas as a holiday or as an occasion, while it you know, you can make arguments about it being about spending lots of money or whatever. At a basic level it's about spending time with your family. Like it's yeah. it's a yeah. time when most families or a large portion of families will come together and cross the country to be together. They and will of all
2: ages and whatever. And then, you know, the younger or whatever will go off and do with their friends at New Year. But Christmas is essentially for families.
0: It's it's the time when it's, when it's least possible to avoid one's family. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like <laughs> to think that you enjoy spending time Anna. with your family. No, it's the I'm,
1: time when it's least possible to avoid your podcast co host family as well. Um, no, I'm i tried kidding.
3: to convince Dad not to buy my flights, but unfortunately... I <laughs> know. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, I, th- I think maybe there is something to that. Like maybe it captures that aspect of Christmas. That it is about like spending time together as a family as opposed to like Santa Claus and, and like the nativity or whatever.
2: Yeah, no, I, I would go with that bit. All I right. do think it's it's family oriented. It's, it's the thing where they are coming together. For that reason. Seriously. And Christmas
5: is in the background. It isn't just in your face. Yeah. The adventure is in your, your face and it's great. You know, I think... Yeah. And it's a nice movie to have because it's a lovely happy ending.
2: I do like happy endings.
5: I mean, quite a lot of people died in an entire building. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <true>. <laughs>
3: they
2: still had a happy ending, Kieron. That is my go-to in a
1: movie. Happy endings. But I mean, happy ending, relatively yeah. speaking. Okay. But,
5: they, but but they don't take it serious in the film as well, because they're always cracking wisecracks Jones, yeah. all over the place. Mm, yeah, that's true. So you know it isn't real. Now, there's no crying in the middle of anything. There's cracking how. There's, so. yeah, there's, there's no har- there is
1: a harrowing moment where one character explains his tragic backstory, and like John McClane, the main character, is kind of like, well, this really lowered the tone of the, you know, the, I was hoping for some sort of witty banter and this happened. But it does, I think you're right that it does sort of have a sense of humour about itself in terms of it plays with, and it's sort of, it's, it, it is cheeky and I think it's aware of what you want from it and what it delivers. I think one of the arguments about why it's such a classic film, we'll probably talk about this in a moment, is that it's uncomplicated. It's, um, there's no shades of grey. It's not like yeah, it's a Black or White. Yeah, it's not like, say, Rambo, to pick an example, where Rambo is a very sort of complicated movie in terms of, like, morality, where it's like a Vietnam veteran versus, like, local law enforcement. You have all this sort of stuff in the background. Whereas, like, I think that Die Hard is a movie that is in no way about Vietnam, for example. There's actually a joke in the middle of it where one of the guys is like, this is like Saigon, mm. and it's like, I was in grade school. But it is, it's just bad guys versus good guys. And, I mean, it's telling that, I think, perhaps the bad guys in the film... Are german terrorists taking over a japanese skyscraper it's got that sort of like world war two almost like very simplistic straightforward sort of like this is the good guy and this is what he's doing sort of mentality to it as opposed to say oh there's 80 action movies like say aliens for example or uh robocop for example where you yeah. have that sort of that ambiguity or nuance there's some this. of that there's well, some of that stuff I th-
3: yeah i think there is i think with the fbi for instance there's a lot of um, friction between the police force and the FBI in regards, I think, as well. When the helicopter goes down, do you really feel that bad?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's no, that's what no, I mean. That, like, no I'm, no. the, <laughs> the, the, I'm really like I'm pounding the <laughs> FBI on the other side it. of the scale, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, okay, the other side of the scale is pretty much John McClain, that one other police officer, and, and, and on the other <laughs> side is everybody else, yeah. including like the the bureaucrats, the FBI, the local law enforcement probably the coke head from the party you know maybe mr Takanawa is on the good side for as you know as long as that lasts but with that in mind then i guess the only thing left to ask is would you recommend that people watch this and would you recommend that they watch it at christmas yeah
3: absolutely i think you'd be mad not to
1: yeah, I, I kind
2: of a kind that of a feel-good thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, maybe it's the happy ending. If you haven't that.
3: watched it, stop what you're doing immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. We yeah, like can't stress that enough.
2: Stop listening to You this. don't have to yeah, think about should... a whole lot of it. It just, as you say, it's a simple format. Yeah, and It's it, good, bad, and it flows, on you go. It flows. It, moves, and I don't have to go looking for... It keeps moving.
5: Keeps you interested. We don't want
1: funny you should mention it flowing one of the things about this is that it's Lawrence Gordon, Larry Gordon who produced it he has a famous rule that he uses when he produces movies with say Joel Silver and it's called the 11 minute rule and the idea is that once the action starts you get one act to set stuff up so like for the first 30 minutes there's not a lot of action This, but once the action starts you make sure you have a major action set piece once every 11 minutes like clockwork and the film really does I and would it say it fulfills
2: fulfil that criteria. It
1: does and it just keeps moving which is really it's really
5: good idea. Good. Yeah, it doesn't like some movies go dull in the middle and you sort of fall asleep and you wake up again at the end. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it started off and it goes uphill all the way and you're getting more and more adventure as it's going along more and more action. Until you get to the very end. So when you get to the very end, you're full of life, you're ready to go out there, ready to hit Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea of Dad watching this to get geared up for Christmas. We're walking
1: out with his pistol and his machine gun. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I'm ready to go to the Christmas sales now. Um, just so
2: now we've been twisting his arm up his back to say it's Christmas time, and he's kind of going, oh, Okay now he's now now he's ready now he's there in fact
1: turbo man (laughs) yeah as (laughs) we're recording this podcast dad has already taken out a set of Christmas lights and has begun to decorate the couch
5: yes red and white once
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well that in mind then we might segue neatly into the spoilers and we'll talk about the movie in a little bit more depth So, Kiron what is Die Hard about for you?
3: What is Die Hard about for me? Yeah. I think we literally just discussed this, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> It's about Christmas, it's about trying to come home to your family, um, and it's about fighting German bad guys, apparently.
1: Played by um, Alan Rickman, of course.
3: Fantastically, it, by the way.
1: Can you believe that's his first big screen role? He was cast after the producers saw him in a stage production of Dangerous Liaisons. So this was his first. Was he a stage
2: film. actor all of. The beforehand? Yeah. The but only,
1: he was a teacher, I think. Originally. The only thing oh. I saw him
0: in. Before this was uh, Smiley's people. He had this tiny little role. He, uh, Alec Guinness, who is like Obi Wan Kenobi in, in Star Wars. He's he's. I like he's, that's he's, like he, Max
1: von Sydow from Star Wars. Like I mean, <laughs> Alec Guinness's
0: entire. Well, role. yeah, yeah, <laughs> d- yeah. Uh, but he, he's <laughs> from I mean, it's Hearts good and role. Coronets and yeah. the Lady Killers and all of those kind oh, of yeah. ealing comedies and and that sort of thing. But he he's playing George Smiley from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. And I think Alan, Alan Rickman is like uh, a receptionist at the Savoy. He's like, um, can you um, do? You mind sending a message for me? He's like, yes, certainly.
3: So he's cyber a camp villain. So he's Severus Snape in this movie as well. No, um, no. I'll
1: get you, George. No, sly. It,
0: it's it's a really tiny part. But it's, like, for two seconds, but it's unmistakably Alan Rickman. (laughs) (laughs) In, in like, one episode. It's almost an extra.
1: Um, Because you look at Alan Rickman and you kind of think, like, he's an actor you couldn't really give a small role to because he would walk away with it. And it kind of feels appropriate that his first, like, big role should be as the antagonist in a movie like this. Because you can imagine a movie where you cast him as, like, henchman number three and everybody came out going... That henchman number three was really something, eh? It's, it's
0: amazing. I, I, I went to a live recording of another podcast called the uh, Dream Gun Film Reads, where they basically, they, they read kind of, um, they, they take a film script and then they sort of um, put a whole lot of silly jokes into it. And they have, um, have people read it on stage. But the, 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 the kind of reveal of Alan Rickman, like he, he couldn't be on stage with the rest of with the rest of the people who were going to be reading their parts. He had to enter like at the same time and he just entered. Everyone was like cheering and, um, and he just walked up into the center of the stage and was like, here I am. <laughs> and it, it, like the whole place just like um, erupted.
1: Even in this film, like, his arrival is a big deal. Like, there's a moment where McLean goes to visit Holly and the camera sort of, the shot cuts away to this delivery truck driving through the middle of Los Angeles that you have no idea why we're suddenly focusing on a delivery truck in the middle of Los Angeles. And then, you know... A couple of scenes later, there's some more arguing, some bickering, Ellis has some stuff. Another shot of the delivery truck pulling in, and then Alan Rickman strolls out. And it's just like, he, he owns it. It's like, he's always, it's like, this is my movie now. It's, it's fantastic. Once he
2: enters it, he is very much the, the core of it, if you like.
1: You know, one of the great things about it is that originally, the character of Hans Gruber was not supposed to wear a suit. All the terrorists were going to wear, like, black, sort of, camouflage, sort of, like, stopped terrorist stuff. And Rickman read the script, and he sort of, he sent, he had a conversation with Joel Silver, the producer, and he said, well, look, I think it'd be a good idea for my character to be a bit more sophisticated than, you know, the villain that you, you usually have in these. Maybe he could wear a nice suit, and if he had a nice suit, then or maybe he could be a scene later on where he meets John McClane, and he pretends to be a terrorist, and get the two guys sort of standing off against one another, and, you know, it give you some nice tension that way. And apparently the producer said, look, you're an actor, you read what I tell you to Say and get the hell out of my office. And Rickman was like, "Okay, fine." And apparently, on Monday morning, there was a new copy of the script delivered to his trailer, where um, Hans Gruber enters wearing a suit, <laughs> which good. is quite awesome. So the
2: guy took it on board. It is. Well, it's a very. He didn't great just choice. dismiss it, but he carries it off so well. And as he said himself, like if they were robbing 600 six hundred dollars, yeah, six yeah, hundred dollars, <laughs> but you're robbing six hundred million dollars, you know. That would be a good twist, a though, of, wouldn't it? If
3: they just made away with $600. dollars so after all that effort yeah. and all
1: those dead bodies. And, <laughs> and it seems
2: fitting that a guy who could steal $600 million should wear a very nice suit. Yeah.
3: Be, I think that's um, profiling. That's
1: definitely profiling.
3: <laughs> what? It's a,
1: <charm. laughs> a different sort of profiling than most criminal profiling, to be honest, though. It just adds a
2: touch of glass.
3: Which is what, if somebody walks by you in a suit, he's definitely going to steal something today. <laughs>
1: Can can I love know, know, the idea of uh, Kieran yeah. okay. sort of profiling six hundred million dollars stolen in barabans, and mom's like, "I guess that person probably wore a really nice suit." And Kieran's like, "Whoa, let's not get carried away here." It's all these
0: debonair European businessmen being just stopped by the police, <laughs> <in> the <laughs> Search for <bear> bonds.
5: <laughs> yeah.
1: But um, it is because it's actually it's a fantastic role. It's a fantastic performance. And I mean, one of the things about Rickman that is so very good, and one of the things I think about Die Hard as a whole that is so very good, is that it's so well-constructed that you can look at the movie several ways. Like, you can pick a character, and you can look at the movie from their perspective, and it mostly makes sense. Like, I imagine that there's a version of Die Hard out there where it's Alan Rickman doing, like, an Ocean's Eleven style, really sophisticated, cool heist that he's put a lot of effort into, and then all of a sudden this American cop comes and starts shooting stuff up in the middle of it. It's like, I had this thing perfectly organized and perfectly planned, perfectly timed, and then... Is that on, not what just happened? It is, yeah. Well, but it makes perfect sense from his perspective, because you can sort of imagine, like... And there's a really great line when he's introduced, when he's talking, when he meets uh, Mr. When he meets the, the owner of the company and he takes him up to the room with the models. It's like, I used to love making models as a boy. So intricate, so precise, everything in its place. And you get a sense, like, you immediately understand the character. Because he's got this sort of very precise sort of way of looking at the world like he's clearly thought of everything he's um
2: that's the benefits of a classical education yeah, like, <laughs> it is
1: it's, it is and uh, like one of the things that i think works so well about gruber in particularly in um in sort of Die Hard, is that he works so well in contrast to mclean because you could argue that gruber is a master sort of uh strategician in that he's got this grand big plan, he's got this, he's got, he's exactly mapped out how he wants the evening to go, down to the hours, he's like, you know, the cops are going to show up in two and a half hours, we'll keep him busy for another couple hours after that, you make sure you get the vault open, and then by that, you know, he's got it timed perfectly, Mm -hmm. and then what you do is you throw McLean into it, and McLean, while Gruber has a classical education, where he's talking about Alexander, he looked upon the breadth of his domain, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer, you have on the other hand, McLean, who is this cop who grew up on Roy Rogers and John Wayne and, you know, bankrupt American culture, who's, like, a much better at improvising, I think, than Gruber is. And so you have this interesting contrast between the two. I think that with any sort of, any action movie like this, it really, sort of, you have I to do have not, that contrast.
2: I think that, sort of, their upbringing, if you like, like, he had the, Hans had the classical education, and John McLean sounds like he, sort of, toughed it out through life, yeah. so therefore went through life improvising and doing yeah. the best he could as he was going along. Yeah. So it does. It does yeah, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, uh, Breaking protocol as well. I think yeah. it, it was like <laughs> um, yeah, it's like you, you you can't kill me you're a cop yeah. there are rules um, like, I love how every that's, terrorist that's, in this movie is camp that's what they're my drinking. captain says yeah Damn. it's mm. like yeah I don't know definitely where he, he's he's used to kind of um, the chaos I suppose I so. oh, am
3: yeah. well yeah it's, it's a bit disappointing barriers. that Die Hard 2 wasn't about his court case
1: <laughs> <laughs> he <had to> answer
3: <laughs> 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 the <laughs> wounded terrorists
1: sort of suing him and jumped upon look at him.
0: them Yeah, a lot of people kind of got away with things because they were just sorting through the rubble. It was like, (laughs) hold on, did you drive that man home drunk? Um, It it, it was the the limo
3: drivers. It should have been his first and last day
0: on (laughs) the job.
3: (laughs) Well, to be fair, when he was pouring it, he only poured out a smidgen. Yeah, and then
1: he (laughs) drank directly from the bottle. Only when yeah, he learned there out. were terrorists <laughs> in the building. He was driven to drink. <laughs> you could say. Yeah. We... <laughs> I like that. That was a good one. Thank you, Mo. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, I didn't even get that! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so I, think that's like, I think that's something that really works very well in the film. And it's meticulously constructed. And one of the things about the film is you get a lot of setup and you get a lot of payoff. So you get stuff like the shots of John McClain's feet before the glass. So that you know that something's gonna happen involving his feet. You get like Chekhov's feet. Chekhov's feet, for example. Yeah, but you get like stuff like Ellis's Coke habit being set up before he acts irresponsibly, that's sort of stuff. You get like Holly Gennaro, you get a conversation about how she's using her name instead of his last name, which sort of plays nicely into the kind of the setup of the reveal of Hans figuring out who she is and stuff like that. It's a very it's a very precise script.
0: Absolutely, I I love the mm-hmm. um the scene the scene with Ellis and uh, Hans Gruber where it's yes. like Hans, boo boo, <laughs> 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 I'm your <laughs> um, white knight. Yeah, exactly. You've 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 yeah you've you've taken a hostile takeover, but there's a poison pill. And <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought it was funny when 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 he was like, um, or should I say, Mister McLean, and he's like, um, no one call me Mister McLean. But Sister Teresa, have you got Sister Teresa there? <laughs> <laughs> have you heard her? Um, but
1: but there is—it's—it's it's such a well-constructed film. It's also a very '80s film when we talk about Ellis, because we should probably talk a little bit about Ellis. Who is the uh, perhaps the true hero of the film? This is the uh, really no, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it,
2: he was a bit of a dickhead. Just a little bit of a dickhead. Just, he was a massive dickhead. He actually was a massive one.
3: But yeah. he's so full of himself. So are we going to have to cut that entire <laughs> thing? No, no,
0: no. No, although you did like the sound of the, the date that he suggested. What was it? Brie? <laughs> yes, um, that
2: did. In fairness, he, he obviously knew how to live well.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: he's a yeah. horrible person, but a great taste in cheese. Absolutely. And
0: cocaine.
2: Well, that
1: bit but wasn't there, fair, but it was champagne
2: is getting me now, in fairness. I it's uh, cocaine where you quite have a taste a in it. It's more like cheese. an addiction, really. Yeah, no, he does have a bit of class all right. But he's still <laughs> a dickhead.
1: <laughs> But I mean, is there is there something very eighties about the film? It's like the film it seems very very eighties in terms of.
0: I and mean, yeah, and there was there was a few like we watched Aliens before and other movies like that where where, where there's all these kind of evil corporations when when the and 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 that the government are kind of always kind of complicit or looking out for the the
1: like kind corporate of, interests. Yeah,
0: yeah, but there was a moment when when it, he he was on the walkie-talkie and it's like you just blew up part of a building. This, is, this belongs to a company. This stuff is expensive. What are you thinking? And it was. It, was, it reminded me of that bit in Aliens where... where, where oh, where it's like, bill he, me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where he's talking about... like The reactor core, the cost yeah. of the
1: reactor core. Do you have any idea how much this costs? of bill me. Yeah. But it does have that sort of 80s attitude, although I do find it interesting. The corporation seems relatively benevolent, benevolent not benevolent.
0: There's like a kind of a... Thin veil where he is, is, is says, like, oh, they're, they're, um, the crimes that your company have perpetrated <laughs> across the globe. And your, your man starts to say, oh, that's not strictly speaking true. <laughs> and then he just, like, a few well, moments. Well. Yeah. yeah. He, a few moments he reveals, like, oh, oh, you're not a. You're, what, not kind of, a what kind of terrorist are you? Who said
1: we're a terrorist at all? Yeah. Well, this is an interesting version because this is actually based on a book, interestingly enough. Yeah, I know. The, the reaction there. dad noticed this a couple of times ago. It's amazing. This is one of those, it takes you five times watching Die Hard to notice based on the book by. But it, it was based on a book. Interestingly enough, it was a sequel <coughs> book to a book called The Detective. The Detective had been made in 1960 starring Frank Sinatra. And Frank Sinatra had all rights to sequels to that book, which meant when they wanted to make Die Hard, because it was an adaptation of the sequel to the book, they had to offer the role to a 73 year old Frank Sinatra. And hope that he turned it down, as in John McClane. John McClane. That a, would have
2: been good to see him uh, swinging
1: out, out of early a roof. On,
3: right? yeah. <laughs> <What> <laughs> would
2: three-year-old, he did swing out. Yeah. roof. Yeah. yeah.
1: He would have been in a swing famous. artist, if you will. Thank well, you very much. That was much. my joke, yeah. but I don't think Mum got
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <jumped. laughs>
1: <laughs> but it has. Well, I mean, yeah. Was it the uh, now I have a machine gun? Ring a ding ding. But, um, it is. Happy
3: New Year! Yeah.
0: But
1: well, you yeah. know that the, um, they originally wanted to cast Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone in the role. I heard Interesting. Yeah. yeah.
3: Is that why they I brought some choppers in?
1: <laughs> Get to the <laughs> chopper! Get away from the chopper! but uh, I just, I'm just imagining the scene where Carl is hunting for him in the air vent and can't figure out where he is <laughs> <laughs> with like a 60 with about 200 300 pound Arnold Schwarzenegger this big it's gigantic like, sort of swell like, bent a, a, in yeah, a, like a snake it's like a
2: boa had swallowed and <laughs> yeah. you see the shape
1: yeah I wonder where he could possibly <laughs> be hiding
0: in this it's like, how do you know they're German it's like the uh, cigarettes um. <laughs> <laughs> all American um, well, um, so it, it, it was a good moment where he's like uh, they're close and then it's like pause and it, it's like, like um, looking around yeah like it, it's startled kind of um, well, I
1: mean yeah the film looks great it's got this uh, cinematography by Jean Dubont who did Speed who directed Speed oh wow so it actually looks really nice and there's this really nice and Kira mentioned this earlier when we are talking about like how it's a Christmas movie there are lots of halos there's lots of lens flare in this movie and there's lots of halos around certain figures as well
0: I like the the kind of shadow of the blinds on, on Hans Gruber's face. There 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 like all all of the kind of um parts on the 30th floor looked looked really kind of film
5: noir. Yeah, the yeah.
0: Like <laughs> yeah but, um,
2: These details escape me. I have to sit down and enjoy it. Here's
1: here's a question though, right? So in terms of like this being a Bruce Willis movie because this is 1988, right? So this is Bruce Willis that I grew up with, right? So, as far as I'm aware, Bruce Willis has always been an action hero. Apparently, mm. when he was cast, it was against type. Because he'd done Moonlighting with Civil uh, Shepherd before awesome. I remember yeah. watching
2: the series of that yeah. sometimes and on TV. Seen, like
1: comedy, yeah. Yeah, he was seen primarily as a comedian.
0: Well, this was two years after Michael Keaton had been cast in Batman. Where, no, where... it was a
1: year before. Um, 1989. Really? This was 1988, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, right, sorry. But you just but at
2: Bruce Willis, She said he was in Moonlighting. He was a detective in that, too.
1: He was, but it was like a romantic sitcom. It was a lighter yeah. sort of
2: a thing, but he was still. So I don't know how so, he was so changing you, type or whatever, okay. because he wasn't a detective in Moonlight.
1: So when you watched it, it wasn't like, oh my god, this is like, what is this weird funny man doing in this action movie? It was like.
5: No. No, because there was a lot of. Probably wasn't relevant. In, in it this, was just. You know, it didn't take itself seriously. It's just an so action on, movie. You know? Yeah.
1: There is a lot of comedy in it,
2: actually. That's a very good point. Well, yeah, it, it keeps it
0: light mm. as it's going yeah. along. Seemingly, it opened the door for Michael Keaton rather than the other way around. <laughs> 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 Michael Keaton has like yeah.
1: as like a trendsetter. Well, in yeah, he he was the comedian kind <laughs> of was, before. Yeah. Um, he was like the five foot two Batman, which was yeah. quite a surprise to people.
5: Yeah. Now you, you said earlier on, like it's a nineteen eighties movie, but I don't see it like that. I think it's nearly timeless. You know, you watch that at any stage, mm. and you get it. It's good to watch. You know, you don't see it being in the 1980s. The other thing I'm just wondering about now, Darren, that you know so much about that, Uh-oh. is there any reason why the baddies are European and they're coming to rob the Asians and it's the American heroes <laughs> <that laughs> who saved the world?
1: You've <laughs> well, we, we, got to keep in mind, well, first of all... Settle, Dad. Settle <laughs> yeah, it all. But well, you got to keep in mind that this is in the 80s when America had this sort of anxiety about Japan as a global power. And, I mean, you can see it if you look at films like, say, Ridley Scott's Black Rain, for RoboCop example. 3. Okay, also RoboCop 3, Andrew, but also... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's coming a back to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also Andrew's stuff like, say, uh, Black Rain, because so like, uh, this was a point at which, and even in the film, the CEO jokes about it, you know, it's like Pearl Harbor didn't work, so we got you a tape decks. But you have this sort of cultural anxiety, I think, about like the performance of the Japanese economy, because... If I remember correctly, collapsed in the early 90s, didn't it? Mm. Leading 93, into the, either, yeah, with yeah. the last decade. So, you had sort of leading into that, you had a lot of like corporate anxiety about America's relationship with Japan because they were they
2: think the Japanese were coming to take over America? Well, they thought well, their financial, down.
0: that's it,
1: exactly, yeah. really. Well, it was the especially end- with
0: cars, yeah, like we would, we, um, they're. Uh, well, I suppose we, we don't we, we don't talk about uh, podcasts that we've recorded but not released.
1: But there are other movies on this. Let's like, say Gran Torino, for example, right? <laughs> just to pick like, just to pick a random example that we haven't watched or thought about recently. <laughs> but in Gran Torino, you have that anxiety about like the Japanese coming and closing down Ford and causing all this like, loss of jobs and this economic pressure. Because mm-hmm. I think during the like obviously after Second World War, the Americans treated Japan as protectorate and stuff like that. So you had basically they were useful as a bulwark against like say China and against sort of against sort of uh, the USSR uh, out that side of the world, but then basically as Japan emerged as a world power economically, there was a lot of anxiety about. it. In fact, like there was this huge congressional hearing in like 1991, where there there was this sort of paranoia in the CIA that Japan didn't have its own intelligence services in the way that other nations did because obviously after the Second World War, America came in and said no. But what Japan did set up was it set up a network of international businesses that the government would use to gather intelligence. And there was actually a massive case, I believe, involving some executives from Motorola, where they were caught channeling billions of dollars of corporate secrets through it. It's fascinating stuff. But I reckon that's sort of maybe behind the anxiety about like the Japanese sort of corporation. But I do think having the European German terrorists is just like a simple good versus evil thing, because like, If you want shorthand for, like, bad guys in, like, 1980s action movies, it's a good idea to go with Germans because that gets you back to, like, the Second World War. And the Second World War was like your good versus evil sort of thing. You, so it was like you, you,
0: you, you could have had some um, Provo front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like what was it? It was or the, some um, what's his name what Sean Bean, Liberté, um, Quebecois, um, <laughs> oh, they, um, the Asian Patriot Dawn? Games. yeah,
1: and the Asian Dawn. It was Patriot games with yes. Sean Bean, where the IRA were the bad guys, for example. Exactly, yeah, yeah. terrorists in in nineteen eighties or nineteen nineties action movies, when they're very different from terrorists appearing in modern action movies. In fact, this movie seems to be like spoofing terrorism in a way. Hmm. I don't think you'd get away with it today. Well, there's a lot of stuff in the movie I don't think you'd get away with today, like bringing your gun on a flight, and it's like, it's or, like the te- a, or the teddy bear, as, the teddy- as, as Dad pointed out. Yeah, like that was Dad's observation. It's like, you could probably get the gun on, no bother, but the teddy bear going in the overhead storage compartment—that's not going to fit.
5: Yeah, it was probably pre-Ryanair, it?
1: <laughs> probably, yeah, free yeah. overhead storage compartments and stuff like that. But there's a lot of stuff like that that is sort of very, I think, specific to the time. Like, I think that McLean in particular is an interesting character because he's a rejection of, like, the 80s 80s action heroes, like, say, Schwarzenegger and Stallone, in that he's a very human guy. Like, because Bruce Willis is obviously, he's smaller than the other guys. He's a lot more wounded and ragged. Like, he does a lot of stuff in the movie that's impossible. I'm going to ask, like, Ciarán, as a doctor... Should John McClane have survived everything that he went through in this movie?
3: Disclaimer. I am not a doctor.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Any medical advice that you hear on the 250 is not legally binding.
4: <laughs>
1: Wear
0: no. shoes. I am not willing not to bet my career yeah, on like, this. Not
1: a doctor and does not
0: pretend to be one on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Except for money. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: But well, as, as a medical student, as somebody who has like a passing familiarity with human anatomy, like... Does the beating that he receives he in the movie seem absurd?
2: Doesn't it seem absurd in all movies, though? Oh, yeah. He, he is, people can be beaten up, and yet they still stagger around, and they're still going. It's so because it.
3: they have hope, Mum. They <laughs> hope <laughs> for their it's families.
1: It's not that they've worked out, <laughs> and they're all rigged, and <laughs> they It's not that they eat their greens
5: or anything like that. But well, surely in the film, everything is taken to extremes. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. the FBI are taking Remember? To extremes it is TV. As being, TV. Oh, it is. As being, being so bureaucrats, you know, the they need to the follow procedures with the cops everything is taken to an extreme you know mm. so even the thing about him being beaten up is taken to an extreme yeah. you know he attached a few detonators to a, a, a monitor and fires it down a, a, and a shaft, shaft and a Flows up the building, you know, like like. Geez, is like this a,
3: assuming that smashing the computer creates a spark? Because I was a little bit baffled at how that would create that, such an explosion.
1: Yeah, I assume that's it because he doesn't seem to have the like technical well,
3: know-how to set the detonator. Because well, like, if a you detonator. throw C four down an elevator shaft, it def- it's not just going to explode.
0: Was it? with the impact would push the detonator in? Oh, ah, okay, or, that might or be. Or
5: something like that.
0: I, I wasn't. I wasn't certain myself. Um, but I
5: would have thought that that was what would happen, it would go poof rather than, Puff. <laughs> Puff. Rather than have, a, like, have a bomb heading up the, yeah, uh, the yeah. shaft, you know?
1: But well, to be fair, it does go primarily on those two floors. Like, it, it Where all the, the explosives are. Well, not all the And the true. rockets, yeah. That's yeah. true. The
2: rockets. I have a question for you. Okay. You know the guy who was hanging by the neck with the chain? Is it Carl? Carl. Cart. It's incredible. He walks down, swinging him in. But he doesn't go. walk down. a body bag. Oh, He's in a yeah. You can see I he pushes that. For thing. some reason, they didn't take the gun off him
0: in the body
1: bag, which is kind of weird.
2: And <laughs> if he's in a body bag, was he not dead? Yeah, well, I think he's, that's
1: because you see him well, push two people out of the way. So
0: he's come back from the dead. Before this, the, the, this is Vigo the Carpathian, isn't it? Is
1: it? It is. I believe so. Are we? Are we going to the fact machine? We'll go to the fact machine. And just check that that's Vigo the Carpentier, which is great because that means Who there's is a lot Vigo of
0: the Carpe- from, from uh, Ghostbusters too. Oh wow, that was really quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe I'm completely wrong. No. What?
3: No,
1: he's not completely wrong. No, he's, However, no, he's not.
3: <laughs> is that person German?
1: Um, no, no this person is, is Russian. He's a former ballet dancer. Nice. Wow! Who, who defect? Whose defection caused a diplomatic incident between the U.S. and, you know, and the Soviet Union? Wow! Isn't the, the same guy. Yep. That's
3: yeah, that's way more impressive.
1: It is actually than being Vigo the Carpathian in um, in uh, well, Ghostbusters too. Make like a With, movie. We right? go back to the fact machine and see who played Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> Vigo, just... um... Vigo the Carpathian. So Sorry. what
0: else is he in?
1: What else is what? This guy. Oh,
0: Viggo, they're, they're, they're I think committed. we're going He's way off, off top of topic now.
1: You've you've obviously Why never. are all um, out. William von Homburg, who he is, is German in this movie, is he? Yes. Okay. He is. He plays James.
0: He plays James.
1: Which one was James? Was James. James the younger brother of... I think James Fox. was the younger was. brother. Oh, okay. so first he guy was he in killed. this movie. Yeah.
3: So it's not totally irrelevant. Right?
1: Well, we just got back to it eventually. Yeah, we did, just did a loop around So that
2: was the first guy he killed? Yes. Yes. You yes. sent the him brother. down in the lift with... with the, ho,
1: ho, ho. By yes. the way, I killed your brother. Um, Which is another way it's a Christmas movie. Because it's not just about the McLean family. It's about the Carl and his brother reuniting at Christmas. They're trying to get bloody revenge.
3: In saying that, i just—we discussed this during the movie. But there's a lot of movements that symbolise some sort of dancing. Yeah, a lot would, of... You, would you attribute that towards it being a Christmas movie? <laughs> there's a lot fair. of
1: there's a lot of ballet and rhythm. Like there's a yes. great sequence of like when McCain is practically McLean is practically skipping towards the window, watching uh, the Very cop light drive on away. is yes. yes. yeah, and
3: when he's uh, one, of, one of the scenes when he's on is at the 30th floor that's being constructed is it yeah Yeah. so when he gets onto that floor for the first mm-hmm. time when he's backing away the way he glides his feet are quite ballet like yeah. I'm sure if you ask uh, some, uh, like someone who actually did ballet it's probably not not at quite all right <laughs> right for. so you mean if
1: you ask like if we ask Carl <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it did seem like make, dancing maybe, maybe that's he why, got some tips from maybe Carl maybe that's why Carl was so offended by him it wasn't because <laughs> he killed his brother it's because he's dismerging <laughs> the fine art of ballet but there's even a great bit which is one of my favourite shots like, in the film I defected from the USSR but... <laughs> for the <laughs> and you reduced <laughs> reduce my art to yeah, charlatanism you can't
0: get good ballet yeah. the, of the iron curtain Yeah,
1: but I mean there's also the really great bit where Alan Rickman after Hans Gruber after he shoots uh, not after he shoots Ellis it's when he's trying to clear everybody upstairs he dances out he practically does like a strike a pose Vogue and starts shooting at the murder
0: on the dance floor
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it does I it.
0: think I think it was the 30th floor where they have the 30 hostages yeah and then the more revolved with her they were doing
2: they, the building to three or four floors above.
0: They were. They made a joke in the in the Dream Gun film read They were like, "Okay, and there's 29 hostages on the 29th floor." And it's like, "No, there's just 30 hostages on the 30th <laughs> floor." It's it's a big coincidence, but that's the number. That's we're the just goal. sort of rolling. Yeah, it. yeah.
1: You know that the um, there is actually a plot hole in the film that you guys noticed while you were watching this, which is the bit where McLean comes face to face with Gruber. Um, how does he recognize that Gruber? is actually a terrorist outside of alan rickman's otherwise flawless american accent
0: which he kind of comes in and out of mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: His, his german accent actually isn't that bad but yeah his american accent is it's a little terrible <laughs> a, sometimes i'm a cowboy
0: well i suppose it's him it's him acting as somebody <laughs> who's maybe not good at accents yeah so like That's somebody, level to somebody who's doing like a, a bad job of Pretending to have an American accent are the best they
1: can. And yeah. maybe that's what gave him away. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, originally in the script, he was Would supposed it not to...
2: be that he recognised his voice from listening to him on the. It could be, but with an absolute disguise.
3: It. But would it really? it, didn't he make a noise when he landed? Not that you'd be that. Uh, be, able, be able to pick up his voice um, as well as that. But when he dropped to the floor, when he tripped up, isn't that when he.
1: All right. Well, according to the script writer, he was originally supposed to reveal it with his watch, which would have been a nice sort of callback to the watch image with uh, Holly Gennaro. Because right. originally, McLean was supposed to notice that all the terrorists had the same watches because they'd synchronized them at the start. But what I they found see. was they actually cut the scene with them synchronizing at the, the watches, start. And so they were like, okay, well, if we just have him notice that they're all wearing nice watches, it will seem kind of odd out of context. It will make sense, well, makes sense. Yeah. So they sort of cut it. And as a result, there's... No real reason why McLean recognised him outside of the fact that maybe his accent isn't perfect.
3: What's the use in that? I bet that scene probably took ten seconds. What? Well, the Rolex found out that they had another watch <laughs> in the movie, it's and
0: like they were using going Omega's, oh, yeah. we
1: don't need possible. to pay for that one again. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> they... like... Well, it was actually it was because they did some late changes uh, with how they got how they were getting into and out of the building. So the the ambulance was a late addition to the script. Um, so they re- had to reshoot the scene where they arrive. And when they reshot the scene, they forgot to do them checking the watches. So, but again, nobody notices that plot hole because it's so well constructed. But I mean, is there something about McClane as an everyman? Like as opposed, as like Bruce Willis, as opposed to Arnold Schwarzenegger or as opposed to Sylvester Stallone. Like one of the things I really like about Die Hard is McClane gets bloody and dirty and messy over the course of the film. Yeah. Like his his wife Peter starts white and is like green by the end of the film. But he gets covered in blood, he gets scarred, his and feet his feet get cutted and blooded and all this sort of stuff. Cutted. And and like we, we, we Okay, Mr <laughs> Mr. Professional Medical Term Just Cut. <laughs> Thank you. Mom. Shredded. Shredded. Thank
0: well, you. Mom. I guess we talk about it being unrealistic, but he is actually really dragging ass, like at the end of the movie. Oh, like right. he he's he's kind of all <laughs> twisted and like um of coming like a zombie yeah. towards... Um, <laughs> Shuffling His His, his wife movie. is looking at him thinking, are you okay? Uh,
2: well, he, he, he has but endured quite a lot during the film, but yeah, in yeah. but, If he came waltzing That's and a kind of real, became, just, realistic yeah, part about Which is why it. I, I
1: feel like the movie, maybe why the movie works so well, because when you compare it to something like, say, Schwarzenegger's Raw Deal, or even, say, Predator, which is the movie that John McChiernan made before this, where Schwarzenegger hunts the monster through the jungle, which is very much a Vietnam movie. This, on the other hand... like mclean bleeds and even if he does all the stuff like even if you could do the movie without all the blood and all the dirt and all the grime and stuff like you could do it as a vester sloan movie and it would work the same you would just have less blood and less grime and less sort of bruising the fact that he does bleed and the fact that like when he's even when he's kicking in the window there's like blood from the open wound on his feet like you really feel for mclean in a way that i don't think you feel for like say cobra or or like uh, you know, Rambo or like uh You
2: did, uh, I was worried I was gonna always poor feet. Really? Yeah. I oh, worry, yeah. But as he was whacking the window you had to kinda of go, Jesus that has to be sore in his feet.
1: Yeah, but Rambo's Paris is dropping just down thirty <laughs> floors.
2: <laughs> probably all right, unbearable.
1: But it is, and it's communicated very well in terms of like the camera keeps focusing on his feet as well, so you know they're going to be important later on, which is a very nice touch mm-hmm. from the director John McDermott. Yes, yeah, actually. Well, what were you going to say about Sorry, Rambo? Dad, yeah.
5: I was going to say Rambo's one one-dimensional, whereas McLean isn't because you see him coming in with the teddy bear for the family in the beginning. Mm. You know, later on, he, he expresses concern about different people, about where they are in the movie. So you get another side to him as a as a, as a thing from this tough cop. He's got feeling. You, you can see that through the movie. So it's mm. sort of even and, Ellis. He sort of even yeah, feels sorry. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 you can see a vulnerability there. So I suppose that's what makes him a little bit more. I suppose amenable to having sympathy for feeling something for him, rather than Rambo it just goes and kills everybody around him. You know? Yeah.
0: He, he has an interior life as well he, whenever he's left alone. He has these little soliloquies where he's just like talking to himself About <laughs> how stupid he is. Well done John. <laughs>
1: uh, good That's job true. John. That was um, so stupid. Um, but it is and I like there's something very human about this as well because he like in many ways like he comes to Los Angeles and he has a fight with his wife after uniting with her for the first time in six months. But the way the movie works is it he isn't ultimately vindicated or validated in a major way because he realizes, first of all, when he disagrees with her, that it was a stupid thing to do. But also at the end, like the last thing that he tells Officer Powell is, you know, tell her I'm sorry. You know, there's a sense that he actually has like a journey. He isn't like like a Schwarzenegger character who is just like a rock which the movie hits. Like McLean actually seems to change a little bit as he goes through it. And he seems to, he makes simple mistakes that and sort of corrects for them. And like, yeah, it,
0: it 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 feels like he thinks he's about to die as well. Yeah. When 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 he's going kind of for his last showdown, so I don't know what what um presumably the the, he yeah which 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 maybe would have made sense because he thought okay there's four of them what do I have to do?
1: Also, I'm bleeding through my feet. Um...
0: Yeah, I suppose I I suppose the movie doesn't have to fully make sense, but he's like okay I have I have two bullets. There's um. Is there, is there f- f- four or five of- people left? Um, Aren't there two? And it, oh, no, there's just and two. There and there, there was one down in, 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 in the basement, but I guess he didn't oh, know yeah. that. Um, yeah, Theo. Yeah the,
1: yeah. the hacker, who I think Theo was actually one of the first hackers I remember seeing in cinema. Mm. And he sort of set an archetype for like the wise, cracking, smart ass sort of character, which is really cool.
0: Was, uh, Ferris Bueller was, <laughs> was, 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 was was also a hacker.
1: Yeah, not quite on this scale. But no, well, like no, no. 60- But if 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 Ferris
0: Bueller had been like <laughs> trying accurate. to try, if if he wasn't just trying to expunge his his um, his school records, um, then yeah, if 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 he had to break into a high security system in order to get a day off school, then
1: then he would and steal yeah. six hundred million dollars in bearer bonds.
3: So towards the end, when they're breaking into the safe and the FBI come along and they cut the electricity and therefore it downs the magnets for the for the safe yeah. door, um, did they have to originally get the six locks out of the way first? I think or, they do. Or, because what I got from that <laughs> was, you know, we're having trouble, we need to do the rest, oh wait, the FBI have arrived, perfect, they'll cut the electricity and the doors will open. But yeah. I didn't Why did we do that? In the I do said
2: if I was <laughs> counting yeah. on Why the FBI coming, yeah. so if that was the case, he would have just... The the F- left it until the FBI. I, I think he Theo, had to disable the six things prior to that. Yeah, if I was Theo and
1: I discovered that, like, okay, I, I did a lot of work on these six locks. Oh, what you have, Yeah, you were just counting on the FBI, I'll anyway. I'd be a little miffed. Yeah. Well, that's why I was. That's and then why, why would you pay him anymore. anyway? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. F- not for his it.
0: personality. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. His what he says. Yeah. His charming. <laughs> his, his, his says, I
1: like that all the terrorists do have a little bit of personality in as well as opposed to being like generic bad guys. Like Carl and Theo betting over like the fate of the negotiation involving whatever Theo being a bit of an arrogant jackass, Carl being all like, "Oh, I want to kill him now." I want blood. <laughs> um, I, 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 like, Stanley.
0: I, li- I like I like Khan and, and his um, Nestle Crunch. <laughs> so, um yeah. uh, um
1: who, by the way, is the character he plays Khan in um, in Genghis Khan? in, what's it called, Bill and Ted's...
0: Excellent Adventure or Bogus Journey?
1: One of the two. He also popped up in a couple of John Carpenter films, including They Live and Big Trouble in Little China. Ah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, I feel like all the terrorists he, have a sort of a little bit of personality. I love that... Uh, he,
0: was, he was in the Chinese camp in The Thing, the one that didn't get featured <laughs> at, at
1: all. it didn't appear. Regular John Carpenter character that he is. I like that Gruber also reads Forbes and uh, Time and stuff. I love that, like, he's such a such a fantastic pretend pretentious terrorist it's kind of weird that like his name is known he's known as a terrorist but it's kind of like you always get a sense that terrorism would have been beneath him
0: he just got kicked out of the yeah. terrorism club as well yeah they're like no we've recently parted ways
1: yeah and it's like you wonder like how did that ever work because he always seems like the kind of snooty guy who'd be like well i'd rather steal 600 million dollars in bearer bonds, thank you very much
0: yeah I'm sick of wearing a beret. <laughs> <laughs> so last year. And yeah.
1: um, living in basements. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I want to get my suits made at the place where they make Arafat suits, for example. Yeah. Mm. For real. Mm. But there is, I mean, do you think that John McClane loses some of that everyman stuff in the sequels? Like, so do you think that, like, in Die Hard, McClane is, like, very human. He feels very vulnerable. He feels like he's going to get, like, hammered and beaten and broken and stuff. But... Do you feel like maybe in the sequels, like in Die Hard Two, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Die Hard Four, that he becomes much more of a conventional action hero? Like he becomes a lot less. He lose a lot of what made him so, uh, made him so unique in this case. Like, is he still as human? Do you think? I don't thing? know.
2: Um, I know I haven't watched the other films with as much frequency, so I can't okay. honestly say.
3: Does he seem a little bit more invincible? Yeah. Yeah. As mm-hmm. they come. To, yeah.
1: Because you know that they're planning a John McClane origin movie. Like Die Hard Six is going to involve flashbacks that will take you back to how John McClane became John McClane, which ignores the fact that Die Hard is about how John McClane became, became John, John McClane. McClane. Yeah, he was yeah, just, it's
0: just going to be about like him him chasing criminals in New York for six months, <laughs> um, to having to fill out
1: paperwork and cases yeah. that he's got to follow up on.
0: The, the, uh, the I remember In Die Hard with a Vengeance, there's a moment where he comes out of an elevator and he's covered in blood and Samuel L. Jackson asks him if he's okay and he's like, oh no, I am. It's other people's blood. <laughs> so yeah, the, that's the kind of do, <laughs> difference between this movie oh, yeah. and, and there. And Die Hard 3, yeah, because there, yeah.
1: there is, there's something very, like, very human about it. We talk very quickly then about how this is a Christmas movie because it's got even like, it's got like a baptism in it. Mm -hmm. It's got like a pregnant lady in a place where she shouldn't really be pregnant. It's got like, Hans Gruber is basically the Grinch. He's coming in to break up a Christmas party to steal all the valuable presents there from all the boys and girls. You know, you've got John McClane reuniting with his family across the country. Like you've got all this. The the, the kind of
0: contrary point to that is the sergeant. When he's told, (laughs) you can leave at any time and go back home to, your, to your pregnant wife who's hungry for Twinkies that
3: you <laughs>
0: you uh, promised you would be delivering. yeah they're
3: to. all covered in bullet holes
1: yeah.
0: I
3: think we've established that the Twinkies weren't for her it was <laughs> <laughs> a matter of opinion honey I
1: thought I asked for 12 Twinkies you'll get 6 and be happy for it. <laughs> I was hungry on them it was a really really late night yeah right well, with that in mind then uh, myself and Andrew will be back next week where we'll be talking about heat with a bunch of guests just in time for New Year's uh, but in the meantime, have yourselves a merry little Christmas.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. And um, ho, ho, ho. Oh, I was like, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs>